century doing something mean to it do hi boys well welcome back to the rdn good roller podcast i think we're on episode 20 here i got the two mains here with me kevin dwyer jordan hamilton how you boys doing today i'm doing all right i'm uh happy to be here happy that a tournament's upcoming so i'm, I'm doing all right jordan how are you i'm doing good Family's in the midst of moving right now, so life's been pretty busy this past week, but everything's good. Roller season's around the corner. Excited to watch some tours this weekend. Oh, tours coming up. Kev's going to tours too. Kev, how you feeling going to tours? I, I'm feeling good about our team. I got a couple family members that are a little weary about me going, but I don't really think I can back out two days before the tournament, so... Uh, I like our squad. Um, I saw some of the other rosters, and there's some pretty good rosters. Um, if we want to get into the teams that are playing, uh, it, it should be a really good division, honestly. Yeah, this division is going to be very deep. I mean, it's going to be the first tournament of the year. So just depending on how many people have been playing during the quarantine, I guess we'll see where the skill level is, but I'm sure it's going to be right there. You know, you have uh, Palmas in it, Tour Mudcats, Mission Black Ice, Envious Rank Rat, Connex Inferno, Car Shield, two Roadrunners, Connex Black, Alkali Connex, and Rink Rat Liberty. So there's some uh, new faces in there with uh, Rink Rat Liberty, Connex Black. I don't think they both played in this tournament last year. So uh, should be a fun one. Kev, you played in tours last year, right? I did not. That was right, right nestled up against uh, the day or two before leaving for Barcelona, but. Um, a bunch of guys were there. I know, uh, like Trav, obviously sports center, not a big deal was there. Um, junior was there. Uh, the Czech guy, uh, uh, Bra- Bravik? Yeah. Daniel Bravik just took over Daniel the account. Bravik, who took, who took <laughs> over for this weekend. He was out there as well. So yeah, there were, there were plenty of people that were there last year. It was a good tournament last year. Tours, in my opinion, has always had a low key, like a really good pro division. And it's like a great way for guys to start the summer off. So I, I do enjoy tours. I'm glad I get to go this year. So yeah, uh, with these rosters, it should be good. Who, uh, Jordan, who do you think, uh, just looking at the teams list, who do you got? Who do you got winning? Uh, Jordan, you've, mean, seen, you've seen all the rosters too. I've, I've seen, seen all, the, I've seen, I've seen all the, not that I remember off the top of my head, but off the rosters we've seen, like there's a, little, a lot of surprises. I'm happy that Ryan Marker is playing this summer too. I haven't seen him in a couple summers. Well, actually, so if uh, right. his team didn't drop out of seniors, he would have been playing seniors and not even pro. So it's nice that he, um, you know, he is playing because I told Ant, I was like, dude, there's no way he should be playing men's at all. He should yeah. definitely be playing pro. No but yeah, Jordan, we're putting you on the spot. I'll answer next. Who do you got? Um, got these rosters. You've seen them all. I've seen them. You have to I've put s- your money on. I've seen them all. And if I were to put my money on it, I mean, I'm, I'm a stickler. I'm going to go with Kev. I'm going to go with Kevin them. Oh, but I'm also. Oh, <laughs> you're just trying to make him feel good. <laughs> Easy. Come on, but, Jordan. Authentic. I'm also like, you know, obviously I'm looking at Palma. Um, and I want to see how they come out their first tournament together. First tournament season. with Ethan Chavira. So, yeah, that's going to be. Because uh, Travis Noah is back this tournament with them exactly. as well. So that's what I'm excited for. But those are probably the two teams I'm looking at. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to give my prediction. Uh, Car Shield's good. Car Shield's a little bit of the sniper squad. I haven't released their rosters, but it's most of the uh, sniper squad. We got Redmond in that, you know, Fox is on there. Really? 
Red yeah, is Hawk, going to Taurus. Yeah, Hawkins. I did not know that. That's a yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. big that's boost for them. Stuff. Yeah, it's huge. Car Shield's going to be good. Car Shield's going to be really good. Yep. People listening to this before Wednesday, then you got you already got some of the roster for Car Shield. So, but you know, Alkali Conics, man, uh, come Sunday, Alkali always turns it on. There's something about Sundays that the Alkali team loves, and they got majority of their team. You know, I think Boyo is coaching instead of Cook uh, this tournament, so it's going to be a good tournament. I think it's going to be a fun uh, time to watch that team. We I'm going. Gotta, with, I'm going we with Palma game one too. We we got no time to like sit around and think about anything. We we get right into it. We dive head first into the tourney, which I think for me personally, at least, and I think some of the other guys too, and going on. I think that's perfect to just get into a, a you know a playoff game, basically your first game to get everybody's mind around it. So yeah, it's dude, it's gonna be a fun tournament. I'm there glad is. they got the live stream going. Um, I will be. Trying to get staff will allow me, but uh, but yeah, it's gonna be good. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, some of these rosters, some rosters stand out to me, like the Envious Rink Rat we released today. Yep. They have a very surprising roster. They have mm-hmm. a strong, deep roster. You know, mm-hmm. Cameron Yarwood's back. He's playing with uh, them, his Detroit boys. You know, Perry Hodge, Okada is on that team. So I know Purcell gonna, was a late pickup. George yeah, convinced yeah. him to get out there. Yeah, and we then snagged, we snagged Eric for State Wars. So him and I have been talking. But yeah, that's it. That's another solid pickup for them, man. That kid's really good. And then you also look at uh, Mission Black Ice too. Um, they, you know, they have four players that they added on their team. You know, the Moonies. And uh, yeah. That will be that. That be should be pretty um, an interesting. See how they do with them too, and I think if they'll have a, you know, they'll have a pretty good deep roster with Mission Black Ice. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with Black Ice. I think Black Ice is going to pull it out. You know, okay. uh, I you know I like I want to get perennial perennial tourist champs for the last like three four years, and then last year they didn't have a great showing. They played Palma in the first round, right? Yeah, 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 and then it was Palma and Car Shield, which was a good game. I remember watching, but. Uh, they are known to play very, very well at tours. I would be uh, pretty surprised if they came up short again. So. <laughs> but no, it should... hey, just like you said, we haven't even brought up the Mudcats. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of teams, man. There's a lot of oh, good teams. Well, the Mudcats, Larry Adagoki's back. Yep. You know, Larry's back. Travis Turnbull, he plays overseas, pro ice player. Um, they got he good. Yeah, they got Clay Taylor stepping in net. I don't think legs can make it down because of the border issues. Uh, Kyle Mayhew. Kyle Mayhew's nasty. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mason Pilkington, Hayden uh, Maxwell, and then you have their, you know, their core Mudcats. OV, Page, Yoder, Ryan Galt's on their team. So, yeah, they're going to have – they'll have a good team. The two are Roadrunners. They're young squad with Nick Martini, a little older guy that throws in that little vet savviness to them. They have a tough schedule. They actually have a really tough schedule. Their first game is against Connix Inferno, a little warm-up game maybe for them. Maybe not. We'll see. But then they play Mudcats, Black Ice, and Alkali Connix. That yeah, is they a kind of did get shafted. <laughs> that is a tough yeah, schedule for them. A rough schedule for yeah. sure. But you know, there, there's that's nothing new for them. So uh, I'm excited to see how that is. Is it just do they just have Rob Kowalchuk in that? They got Rob Kowalchuk, and then we also had that issue with Kevin. Kevin Johnson. We didn't know. 
I don't know what the deal is with that. We're just saying Rob is playing for them. Um, <laughs> Rob, I think Rob, I won't say he got like, no pun intended, robbed at, at like State Wars by any means, but like he played so good at March last year. It, like that's a little coming out party. Like he's got to be coming back with some confidence and saying like kind of giving Keith Johnson a little bit of a run for that starting position. Like that guy shut out black ice in the playoffs last year. That was that's a nothing to sneeze at. So, so yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're young, they're hungry. They've tasted a little victory in, uh, at Narch West coast last year. So like they, even though they got a tough schedule, I mean, they, they play a certain style via coaching them for a long time. So, I mean, we yes. listed off five, six teams that I think are going to, you know. Be- All right, boys. Well, let's talk about the uh, upcoming interview we have, George and Larry. I love this one. This was a fun one. Anytime you get to talk to George, man, he's just like so charismatic and just so just himself. I love it. So what did you boys think of this interview? It was a ton of fun. And uh, like what you said about talking to George and Larry, especially because they've had like chemistry together and stuff. It was, we were just rolling from the very beginning. How about the chirping in the beginning? Exactly, exactly. So we just got to go from the start. And it was an amazing thing. We got in some hockey, obviously. We got in some more deeper topics. Everyone will get into it. We'll see it. But it was a great pod. I loved it, I loved it a lot. And like we didn't get into like the deepest of topics, like kind of, you know, racially motivated, which I think is good. Like not, not that like, it's good. Like we shouldn't have those conversations, but I think it just kind of like touched on the threshold of like, Hey, George and Larry are comfortable. Like if you have, if you have a con, if you want to have a conversation with them, like go up to them, you know? And like, I think that's a good thing that people will kind of see that conversations do need to start happening to, you know, get a better picture of how, you know, black people feel in, in the country right now and stuff. So yeah, it was a lot of fun with those guys. They kept it light, but they got to the point about some of the things that we wanted to talk about. So yeah, it was fun with those guys. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I loved it. I loved, I just loved how close Larry and George are, you know, they've obviously been, he's been coached by George, um, and just how comfortable they are around each other with the chirping, like right from the get go. It was, uh, it was awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy this pod. Uh, Jordan, do you have anything else to say? No, joyous boys and girls. It's going to be dope. It's going to be cool. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Taurus. Like it's on the way to Taurus. Everyone's probably going to hear it and stuff. So Enjoy yeah. That. Yeah. Before we uh, send it over to the pod, uh, you know, everyone's safe travels out to tours. Hope everyone gets there safe. Hope everyone has a great time and be safe out there. Um, uh, Kev's going to be out there. He's going to be playing alkali conics, see him in the building, say what up and thank you for all you do for already in. So good luck to him. Good luck to everybody playing out there. And, uh, we will see you guys in about two or three weeks, but for now, enjoy the George and Larry pod. I said, I don't think I've actually met you before, other than... I've met you, dude, at, the, at a startup at Joey Dolce, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I also was going to bring up... I was say never, never met before. Well, I've met you before, dude. <laughs> George, that's not good. That's yeah, not a yeah, good that's look. Yeah, that's on me. That's, that's, not, on me. that's, that's not, not a good look at all. That's, that's not a good look. That's on me. <laughs>
Um, that was like that was like five years ago, I think. You know, I remember because I remember I, I remember DMing you asking if you had made the Olympic team, the USA team that you tried out, and you left me on red. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, oh I'm good. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, well, that was probably right after face. I got cut from fucking camp. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, got, I got cut from the United States fucking Olympic team. What do you what do you want me to say? Yeah, yeah I sorry, cut from, from the world. championships. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I, my bad, but yeah, no, I. Obviously, we know I did not make that team, so that yeah. was gross. That can't. That was that was another good uh, good experience. That camp was gross. Going to that that tryout, that USA trip. Dudes, are you there for that? Was that the Colorado one or the Chicago? That was, the one was that in? Uh, was oh, that Detroit? Detroit? No, yeah. it was it was it was in Chicago. Yeah, the no, Chicago. No, I was. I was. I think it was Chinny Coon and Mello. Yeah, that sounds right. I think. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, so that the year that I went to tryouts, dude, that had that was like the grossest tryout ever. That was like, uh, dude, that was like when, yeah, dude, that was that was like the first year that Demartino and them got invited too. Yeah, yeah, they got invited. Demartino didn't make it. Shabo, Shabo didn't. Uh, Shabo, Kraft didn't make it that year. Shabo, for, I think Shabo did make it. I know, I know, I don't, I don't think KJ made it, but I think Billy made it maybe. For and this is double eyes, correct? Yeah, double eyes, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the year prior was the first year like Demartino got invited when we were in Detroit and we played uh, we played against each other in that junior championship, and then like you and I had a room together in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that first year was when Demartino, but then the next year I think that's when Kraft, Fox, Demartino, KJ, Billy, they're all there. Yeah, that was going there, and then all the cyber guys going. That's here, dude. That's a big because those are all guys around your age too, where you're like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, yeah, that's what I was getting at. So, but prior to that year, it wasn't anybody our age even getting invited. You know, it was all like ninety ones and older. It was like, older, yep. you know, that was the first year that younger guys got invited, and the younger guys were fucking gross. I was like, "Fuck, all these guys are fucking yeah." Because guys that are like two years younger than me, the '95s got invited too. So fuck, I can't say I didn't make it because my age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't make it either. I was like, fuck. Georgie said he's coming, so let's no let's see if that holds true. Tournament you played in? That's what I was really. Eight asking. Wars, Detroit, 2017. <laughs> I don't know. I know I played. I played a tournament in Tampa last year, like a regional tournament. Oh, uh, okay. But let come on. Like the, yeah, I think it was. I think it was a state wars. Yeah, okay. It have been a state okay. wars. Nice. Was it? Was it when I robbed you on rank two in Detroit in Taylor? You robbed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's a picture of it if you need really? to see it. Really? <laughs> I believe that. I'm just giving you shit, man. Like I, I said, it's that. really good to see you, Larry. It's been a hot minute. Oh, there you go. What up, downtown? George, are you doing your makeup or what? I had to, you know, I had to do makeup and shit, you know. <laughs> you got the lighting? Got the lighting. Yeah, sorry, turn the camera around and show us the lighting you got. I you got the circle the lighting? <laughs> yeah, you got the circle thing. Gotta have oh, it. Lighting. Oh, hell oh! no! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's George, go. You think I'm doing video? You think I'm doing any type of video without this? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost in front of the camera. The best. <laughs> Love Jeez. it. Yeah. I knew he had there's one. No, there's no way I'm doing that. 
George, I always wondered how you look so good on your, oh, your selfies. I'm like, this dude definitely has one of those lighting things. I mean, <laughs> your, your complexion looks so amazing at all the photos, George. I'm like, wow, this guy's got a lighting thing, 100%. Listen, that's what it up, bro. Can't tell my secrets. <laughs> well, now everybody knows. What's, now what's you know. auditioning you for, for the tour outfit? What'd you say? What's Siebel dishing you for the tour outfit? You know what? Absolutely Ooh, nothing. That's this nasty. Shirt that fit me. They fit me the best. Here we are. We got two special guests with us today, Larry Adagoki and George Downtown George Brown. Boys, how you yo, guys? Yo. <laughs> how you guys doing? Good. Good. I'm great. Good. Always great. Yeah, yeah what have you guys been doing? Florida? Yeah. Yeah. How's uh how's the life been during quarantine and the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic and stuff? Well, things were going pretty well. I mean, Florida opened up. Uh, things, you know, all the stores, businesses, rings started opening back up. So I got to jump back on the ring, skate, get, start working out again, whatever. Um, but then obviously Florida got really bad over the last week or so, or two weeks. So everything shut down again. And, you know, the numbers are probably, they're worse than they originally were. And, you know, they just keep climbing. So everything shut down again and everybody's pretty much been told by the, by the Surgeon General to stay in their houses and not go anywhere and unless you actually have to. So pretty much shut down now so tampa like basically went back to stage one. Oh, worse than stage one <laughs> we, we we like we went from you know going i think they actually took us originally straight to straight stage two and then they're like wow everybody started getting corona again and you know we have we've set the record for most cases in a day in florida the past like five days in a row so we wild. You know, we regressed big time so i think everything's uh Everything's set back a while, so we'll see how that goes. But looks like baseball's starting again, so we're going <laughs> to for that. Nothing <laughs> happen. So whether that happens in Florida or not, who knows? George, how you been, man? I'm good, man. Back in Buffalo, New York, you know, with the fam. Spent some time on the road, and now I'm just stuck in my house. So, but I've been good, though. I mean, you know, you guys know I'm a family guy, so being around my family is yeah. all that matters. So I'm really good. Wait. Oh, and before we before we get kick we kick it off and dive too deep, you know, I want to I want to touch on a topic real quick. It's kind of touchy, especially for George. Um, when George is down here in Tampa, Florida, he decided that he wasn't gonna give me a shout. I found out he was in Tampa by one of the filters on one of his Snapchat stories. I call immediately. He's, hey, George, man, let's get dinner. You here? How long are you here? He's like, oh, I'm here for four days. I'm like, oh, he's here for four days. He, so for, he definitely should be able to manage and spare 30 minutes for old Larry, you know, one of his former players. You know, obviously me, him, and Dweebs won an amazing championship in juniors. Uh, like 2014 gets Black Eyes Championship. Don't want to bring it up. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> not a big deal. Um, yeah, so, Only you know, five guys, I, figure, yeah. I, figure four, I figure four days, George will have a little time to spare for old Larry, you know, an old friend, brother. Uh, you know, counterpart, but you know, for some reason I didn't hear back from him until, you know, about five days later when he was back home in Buffalo and he was like, you know what, you know, I really didn't have time for you there. I was like, Oh wow. So you know what Roller Dad news, what I'm going to do on to document everything. And I'm going to send screenshots of what actually happened. I thought Larry actually changed his number because Larry doesn't know how to answer text messages until Larry's ready to answer text messages. <laughs> so he answers them when he wants to. And so what happened was, yes, I was there for four days, but I had something called a career like Larry knows all about because I haven't seen Larry in years. So my career had me on stage twice a day. We still had rehearsals and all of that. So yes, I was trying to find time, but Tampa was also the state, the, the, the city that some of my family came to. So I was trying to find time and it just ended up, we didn't get together. So it wasn't like a screw Larry thing. If, if it was, you guys know I'm blunt. I would have just texted him, 
screw you, Larry. That wasn't the case. So it wasn't on purpose or anything. I mean, it's great that I was down in Tampa, but it's been a long time since Larry's even reached out to me. So I guess I have to be in Tampa to hear from Larry, you know? Let me pull this all together, fellas. I think next week we're all going to be in the same vicinity, correct? I would, I would say so. <laughs> Let's break bread next week. I mean, last time he was in Tampa, I didn't hear from him. He's only going to be there for like four or five days this time. Maybe he'll be there the whole time, but who knows? It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past George if he was there for 15 days and somehow I didn't see him or talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys play each other. You might see him on the rink, you know? <laughs> he might hide. He might not even come to the game. <laughs> the, sch- the schedule's out, and we, we do play the Mudcats. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's Great. It. Louise, let's get into it. When did the schedule come out? Side note. 40 minutes yep. ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, about 6.30. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yes, Larry, <laughs> you're playing with the Mudcats. Georgie, right. you got your awesome outfit you've had for a long time, the excitement. Yep. How do you boys feel about tours? I, I'm going to tours. I mean, Larry, you just kind of told us that Tampa Bay is, like, kind of crazy right now. I mean, yeah. I'm excited. Oh, regardless, yeah, I'm going to have to mind my P's and Q's and probably have a mask on all the time, but I mean. Yeah, which will probably be the case, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited for tours, especially, you know, being, obviously I haven't played in a national in some years now or a year and a half or two years now, but um, I think it's going to be a great tournament. Obviously, we've seen how stacked the Pro Division is. It's extremely competitive. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I know some guys haven't been able to skate in months now. That might be a lot of guys' first time skating in probably six months or whatever it may be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the conditioning level of everybody and see how everybody's doing fitness le- fitness wise. But uh, obviously, you know, the top teams are there, top players are there. So it'll be great to see. I'm laughing, Larry, because I'm I'm hearing you say that, and it's like. Buddy, you personally could take five years off and hop back in pro like it was nothing. So, I mean, you know, I'll take what you're saying with a grain of salt. Georgie, one of the last times, I think the last time I was in Tampa Bay, we were roomies, dude. I got to hang Bro, out with we you were. for a couple of days. We were. We were. That was, that was dope. Those are the good times. Those are the good times. When, when players used to, like, players on this Zoom call right now used to play for me, you know, like Larry and – Dwyer used to used to actually play for me when they actually wanted to be on my team. It was those are good days, guys. You know, life goes on, I guess, huh? <laughs> That's on. all you got. Come on, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? The, the crazy thing is, uh, it was interesting because I wasn't supposed to be at tours this year, anyways, uh, because of my shows, and so I got a late start on everything. Had players already going to different teams and everything because I just wasn't supposed to do anything this year. And then I talked to uh, Perry and Hodge about combining the envious name with Rink Rat that they were doing Rink Rat Michigan. And we decided to do that. So I'm taking some of my players, some of their players, and, and we're just doing the, the combo thing. And we're actually going to do that for the entire summer. So um, it's envious Rink Rat that we're doing. So it's been pretty dope. Those are two guys that I've been close with forever. And I've coached Perry a ton before also. And so we're, we're combining. And like, like Larry said, it's, I think everybody should have some level of concern for Florida, but the, if there's any positive, which I don't see much during this pandemic, but there's any positive, the County we're going to has just over a thousand cases. So, I mean, I mean, one case is too many, but uh, the County we're going to in Pasco County is really light. So I'm, I'm hoping that everybody's smart 
about what they're doing. Masks, and we have an announcement coming out. Masks are mandatory to even enter the building. We're doing everything that we can. We're doing our coaches' meetings over Zoom. Uh, players can't enter the floor until the next team, the previous teams are in their locker room. Like, we're doing everything that we can um, to make sure it's the safest environment for everybody. So I've got to do it from a coaching standpoint with my players and then from an entire event standpoint because I'm, I've been with Taurus since 2001. So it's, it's important this year that we make sure that safety is first. Of course, we want to get some sort of normalcy for everyone involved because roller hockey, for everybody on this call, roller hockey is a huge part of our lives. And so we just want to try to get some normalcy. And I think it's great on Joe and Ron's part that they've tried to do everything in their power. They haven't even, it wasn't like they even pushed teams. Hey, we need teams, we need teams. It was just one of those things. They put it out there to see what people were comfortable with. And we got a great draw for the tournament. Yeah, I want to just touch on something too. Since you are the voice of tours, I would love to know what it's going to be like hearing you sing the national anthem with a, with a, with a mask on. Is it going to muffle your beautiful voice? How is, what's it going to be like? You're like screaming at the refs with a with a mask on. How how are you gonna handle that? Like what is that are the refs gonna be really excited about this? It's gonna be like a muzzle on George Brown for one for one summer. <laughs> no, I will be I will have a megaphone on the bench. <laughs> you have to wear a mask if you're coaching too. You you don't if you're on the bench anywhere on the rink, you don't have to. Okay. That is but I'm gonna get clarification on that because the rink could say, Hey, we'd rather all coaches wear masks too. I mean, as an event, even if the rink didn't say, but the rink just came out and said you have to wear a mask. Even if they didn't, we were going to say we would recommend and we require for our event you wear a mask. We expect coaches to be smart. I mean, if they're talking to their players, I mean, I, I think I'm going to wear a mask. I think maybe if I'm talking to my players, to be clear, I'll move it down real quick. But, I mean, I, I think it's, it's every individual situation. If I have to get something across to a referee, even if I have to back up, 12 feet from my players, I'm going to get that point across. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to happen. The singing of the national anthem, I don't know this year. I mean, when, I, when I'm yelling and screaming at my, at my players all tournament, it's a tough thing. I mean, we're going to be in the championship too, so it's going to be kind of tacky. To say that <laughs> wow. Maybe, so. maybe cut that clip and save that. <laughs> cut that clip and save it. <laughs> Larry, uh, you know, coming back, playing tours, haven't played in a while. What are you most excited about playing with the Muddies? Oh, just excited to be out there with the boys again. You know, we got a lot of the, a lot of the wise, wise vets coming back and playing. Um, and, you know, it's just exciting, obviously, to play with the boys. I, I, I love those guys. Love playing with them, obviously. Uh, so first chance I got to, you know, be around for a summer or at least for a tournament and get out there and play with them, I definitely going to take it. Well, Leggett, Leggett was pretty keen on you returning uh, when we had uh, interviewed him. So it, yeah. it is, it, like, it's pretty cool. You know what else is really ironic is I think originally from what information I was told is JP Bielstein was a big fan of you playing against you and was saying like, we need that guy on our team and he's no longer a mudcat. So yeah. like, it's yeah. just kind of ironic and interesting, but yeah, it is yeah. it like, to me, like I said, it's so cool to see you and, and know that you're going to be in Tampa. I know you live there and, you know, we can get into that too. What you live in Tampa now? You're from Atlanta. What are you doing in Tampa right now? Yeah, but to touch on your point about JP, yeah, I think that goes to goes to speak for pretty much anybody that's on your current team or that you picked up for a team. It's someone that you played against. And you're like, wow, I don't want to play against this guy. I'd rather have him on my team. <laughs> I don't have to play him. That's that goes through. That's how it is for most most players. A guy like 
cat too. I mean, like that's nothing to sneeze at if JP's like, why is this kid not on our team? You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, to answer your second question. Uh, so I came originally I came down to Tampa to do my master's degree at university of Tampa. Um, shortly thereafter, I started working with the New York Yankees uh, with the performance science department doing uh, motion capture, motion analysis stuff of hitting and uh, movement stuff. Um, and then sh- about a year into that, I got a position with their strength and conditioning department to be a minor league strength and conditioning coach. So that's currently the role that I'm in right now. I'm a strength and conditioning coach with one of their minor league affiliates during the baseball season. And then during spring training, I work with minor league and major league side. Um, so that's, that's my gig now. I've How is it being around uh, like the baseball players compared to some of the hockey guys? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. That's a question I get all the time. And, um, I, uh, the hockey guys asked me that some of that, cause Pat Maroon's down here, obviously. So I've run the patty every now and then we have some, we, we, we were talking about the baseball stuff and, you know, the base, baseball guys know I played hockey. So it was like, Oh, how are the hockey guys? And you know, it, it's, there's just a different breed. It's just completely different. You know, the baseball guys, obviously they're not like the hockey guys. You gotta, you can't, you can't turn from like the hockey guys, you know, you know they, can't take, they can't take it like that. You know, those are your words, not mine. So I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that, but you know, there's definitely, you definitely don't, you definitely don't hammer them like the hockey guys, you know, the hockey guys, you can be ruthless and whatnot. It's just a different sport. And it's kind of like how, you know, hockey guys aren't like football guys. When you go into football weight room, the coach is screaming at you, the coach will punch you in the chest, you know, and yell at you. And hockey, you know, you, it's pretty aggressive. Things get pretty serious. And baseball is just different, you know. Just a different environment. You have to know how to coach every athlete. Uh, you can't just coach a program. You have to know how to coach individual athletes. And that just, you know, there's are, there are guys in baseball who would be great hockey guys, you know, who are savages. And we have plenty of those guys on our on our roster in New York. You know, we have ton, tons of guys who are savages. But, you know, obviously um, not all of them are like that in hockey. In hockey, everybody's a savage. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear that. Um, Larry, I'm extremely proud of your brother. Just so you know. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And I know, George, you're also very successful. I see all the videos. I, I follow along really closely, believe it or not. Um, so I, I'm obviously really proud of you as well. I see you're doing really well. Big things. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. George, go on. That. And you were just talking about like traveling for shows and stuff while you're in Tampa. Tell us about what you're doing. Well, it was, it's funny because I never expected to do this. Like I woke up one morning in college and just said, I want to be an actor for the rest of my life. I was going to school for sports journalism. And I just knew that that's what I was going to do since I was in fifth grade. And uh, my choreographer in high school, I was just playing around singing a gospel song in the auditorium. And he made me audition for the high school musical. And then he was producing a show at a professional theater. So I started professionally acting when I was 18. And so I went and did my degree in communications. And then it was a dream of mine to get to be on Broadway. And um, fast forward, I got a national tour last year. I did the musical Elf. I was Mr. Greenway. And then that producing company asked me to uh, do their Broadway show of Once on this Island. And then it was going on tour. And so I went to New York probably five, six times and met with the writers, producers, all of that. It's just, it's a, to, you invest a lot into this career and ended up getting it. And it was the biggest break in my life. Like it was, I didn't realize that acting was like, especially musical theater acting was a paid career when I was in high school. And uh, like, it's, it's my living now. Like, and, it, and it's been, it's been pretty amazing to be able to every night go on a stage and perform in front of about 1500 people every night, eight shows a week in a different city every week. 
Um, see friends across the country. Some friends get mad at you because they think you don't have time for them, but that's not the case. But you, you, you do get to, it, it was, especially traveling for tours as much as I have, I was used to the travel, but it wasn't used to the travel like I had there. I mean, we became a family. It was, there were 35 of us traveling on travel days, Mondays to a different city. And then just, I get to play dress up for a living, to sing at dance on stage. My work days are probably at max sometimes if it's just one show, my work days are three hours. You know, so if we're in a city where we need to rehearse, then we might have a three hour rehearsal during the day, but you have all day in a different city. And I li you live the hotel life and you know, you just, I get to not be myself for a couple hours, but sometimes depending on what stresses in life there are or whatever, you just get to get on stage. And I think God put me on this earth to make people smile and enhance other people's lives. Cause I think I have pretty much an awesome life. So I think now it's my turn to enhance other people's lives. And so I get to do that on stage when I get to see people smile and enjoying things when I'm on stage. I think that's my purpose in life. So I, I think by doing this job, although I get paid, I think I'm fulfilling my purpose doing it. So I love, I love my career. So for some of the people that don't know, what is the show about that you're on? So it, uh, unfortunately it closed in March due to the pandemic, but it's, it's called Once on this Island. It was about, and especially nowadays, it was a show that dealt with colorism. It was about a peasant girl falling in love with a rich guy on an island and the rich family, I play the rich man's dad, was, were all light-skinned blacks. And the poor peasants were all darker-skinned. And it's something that we deal with in the black community too, which is colorism. Like people think that there's favoritism shown to lighter, um, lighter complexions than there are darker complexions. And so we dealt with that in the show. And so it was interesting because we did a lot of workshops with high schools in different cities. And there were a lot of a lot of schools that had nothing but white students doing the show. And so they would ask us, how do we get the message across by being white students? And it was just interesting with the, uh, with the way the country is today, the way the world is today, explaining that to them and how they can relate it to today's environment and how it doesn't have to always be colors and they can transfer it to today's environment. So it was just, it was a perfect time for that show. It spoke to, Overcoming, overcoming death, overcoming tragedy, and just making love the centerpiece of the piece of work that we did. So it was just, it was just an awesome show. In the end, um, not to give away the end, but the girl put in so much that she had to answer to the gods. If that man didn't fall in love with her, she had given up her own life. So she put everything into somebody else and sacrificed herself. So that's basically the story. I just got to play the evil dad for it. So. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's uh I wish you'd come to Colorado so we could see that. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, I wish well, I wish it was in I wish it was in Denver. I really do. Yeah. One thing that even just from talking to you two right now that kind of amazes me the more and more I think about it. I I think the older and the higher level you get in in the sport of roller hockey. I mean, Larry just told us about what he's doing. George, you told us that, you know, like originally you had a sports management or a sport, you know, like broadcasting type uh, degree. Like our Conics team, it's amazing how many guys on our team have degrees. It, it's in the sport of roller hockey, 
when you look at it, guys understand that roller hockey ain't paying the bills. A lot of right. these guys have degrees. I think that is a very overlooked part of our sport <clears throat> is so many people, doesn't matter what color your skin is, a lot of the people within the sport, they understand that it's a great, it's a great outlet. It's a great, it's awesome what we do. And it's great that we have the sport we have, but the education that comes with that, I Absolutely. think it's very, very overlooked in our sport. And so you, you bring up really yeah, good that was a quick tidbit. Go ahead, Larry. Sorry. No, you bring up a really good point that and that's why, and obviously you might not realize this at a young age growing up and playing more hockey that like you can't do this for a career. You know, growing up, I was like, wow, I love this sport. I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind whether or not I could do it for a career or not. I was just like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life, whether I make a million bucks doing it or not. But um, you, it, it, it just goes to show that people will continue to play right now. They do it because they love the sport, not because you can make a ton of money in it. You know, that's no one plays roller hockey like, oh, I'm going to make so much money. Obviously, yeah, some guys go overseas and get paid some money, which is great. But no one plays roller hockey because they know they're going to be rich because they play because they love the sport, as opposed to maybe, you know, what other, other, other sports there are, name it. Some people play the sport just because the money, obviously, you know, which is just part of it. That's an external motivator that, you know, you can't blame somebody for. Of course, we want to get paid to do play a sport and, you know, be famous, whatever. But, you know, you know, people that are out there on the roller hockey floor are doing it because they love it, you know, which is great. I want to talk about how you guys both got into playing hockey. George, how did you get into hockey? Where was, like, when was the first time you got into it? This is great. This is great. I can't. It, it was so random. Because, I mean, growing up in my house, I knew nothing about hockey. I was just... <laughs> I ask him. I, I'm like, what is hockey? Like, I mean, and honestly, and you guys know I'm blunt, so I'm just going to be straight up honest. When I've turned on the TV, you don't see anybody that looks like you. You see no one that looks like you. But that made me even more interested in the sport because I'm always up for a challenge. Okay, I don't see myself out there, so I'll be the first. As a kid, you just think that. So I was, it was the year of the lockout and I, the Sabres started like four and and when any sports do good here in Buffalo, it's top story because we don't do that well ever. So it was, it was interesting because I was watching hockey and I'm like, I'm too lazy to start getting on skates and everything. So I called around to like <clears throat> roller hockey or like inline, inline hockey places or floor hockey places just to see, even if it was roller hockey, if they let goalies play on feet. Cause I was too lazy to learn to skate. I just wanted to play hockey. So <laughs> I was going to the local YMCA and they had a program where on Tuesdays and Thursdays they had floor hockey. My parents couldn't afford equipment. So I had a baseball chest protector. They gave me my arm protectors. I took towels to the rink and padded myself with towels. My pads I had given, they were given to me from the local YMCA. I just wanted to play. And then um, it happened pretty quick. This was while my parents were getting their degrees and everything. And then out of nowhere, they took me shopping for hockey equipment. I called around, started playing at different, uh, got to play at one rink. And um, I actually went in there like a big baller because I had all new hockey equipment. And I'm like, yo, I'm the, I'm the only brother in here. <laughs> like, yeah, I got all new stuff, homies. What? Like, so I walk in there just with all new goalie equipment. I had Bauer pads and stuff because Hashtag back at that time used Bauer, all Bauer equipment. So I went to this place called Great Skate in Buffalo. My parents bought me all new equipment, surprised me and everything. And um, the funny thing about my parents were back then when I started hockey, we were poor. When I got really into roller hockey, we weren't. 
but they still let all their kids believe we were still poor because <laughs> they didn't want to spend no money. So, but they did <laughs> allow me to uh, get hockey equipment and I just, just started playing, fell in love with the sport. And unfortunately, um, maybe about four years into playing, I had seizures in high school and I couldn't play any sports at all. I was playing football in high school, had seizures that took me out of all sports. So I said I had to compete at some level. So I ended up coaching. I like maybe three weeks after I had my seizures and I was coaching guys that were only two years older than me and coached them for years. And they're still all my best friends now. But yeah, it was just, it was just on a whim. It was a challenge because I just saw no one that looked like me. And the local YMCA had nothing but black kids playing though when I walked in there. And so it was something I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. And when we speak about it later, we speak about race issues. I just think that's part of the problem now that not enough black kids see, see anyone that looks like them playing the sport. Yeah. Um, well, I guess Larry, we'll get to you. How did you start growing up in Atlanta and stuff? How did you start playing hockey? Uh, yeah. So I, I was born in Gainesville, Florida originally actually, and uh, lived there until I was about 10. Um, yeah. So, and then when I, when I was, uh, when I was six or so, I had some neighbors who just played, uh, played street hockey for fun and I kind of got into it and I, you know, I just, I got to just run around on my feet playing with them. I did that for like four years from, from like six until 10. And then when I was 10, we moved up to Snellville, Georgia, right? Such a coincidence. I'm like, wow, you know, I want to keep playing hockey. Uh, I wonder if there's a rink nearby. There's a, a two ring facility five, two minutes from my house. You know, I was like, wow, SGA, you know, it was such a coincidence. And I mean, that just goes, and I'm going to be as a read the book, like outliers or anything like that. Um, you know, life, there's a lot of coincidences in life that help you get to where you are. So, you know, I just, so fortunately we moved to a neighborhood that was like two minutes from hockey rink. Um, and fun, true story. And this isn't to pat my own back or anything like that, but so, and this just goes to show you don't have to play in an organized league to get good at a sport. Um, from six to 10, I just played street hockey on my feet. I got skates when I was eight. So two years I played with skates on my first hockey game. When I was 10, I scored nine goals against kids who played <laughs> their whole entire life. That was my first hockey game ever. I scored nine goals. And the player, the parents thought they're like, Oh my God, you play ice hockey. Where do you play ice hockey? I was like, I've never played an organized hockey in my life. They were amazed. They're like, are you from Canada? They were freaking out. Like, <laughs> they were like, what is wrong? I like, no, I just played in street hockey for the past four years and they couldn't believe it that I was actually that good at hockey. And I, I, I never played organized hockey. I was like, no. And I was passing everything. They're like, whoa, what is going on? They couldn't believe it. But yeah, so I started doing that at SGA. And obviously I grew up playing SGA my whole life, uh, playing roller hockey there. Um, and, to, and to not get too deep in the race thing, but honestly, so the kids that I grew up playing hockey with in my neighborhood, they were white. And I had never, it just never even crossed my mind that like, oh, I was the only black kid playing hockey. You know, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind, really. I just played it because I liked that. I didn't really think too much about that. I, that, didn't even, that didn't even become a thing until, you know, I had incidents where someone said something. I was like, oh, God. Well, you know, I was like, whoa, this is like, oh, I am this. Like, you know, so I won't get too deep into that. But yeah, when I started playing, I didn't even, you know, it really didn't bother me that I was the only one out there. I didn't even cross my mind really until later on when, you know, things started happening. But yeah, so that happened, and I started playing. I, played, I didn't pick up ice hockey until I was 13 or 14, and that's when I started playing travel ice hockey and whatnot. Um, and obviously, I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but um, my game translated really easily from roller to ice. You know, my first ice game, I did perfectly fine. Like, I could skate. I didn't even 
you know, I never really went to public seats or anything like that. I just strapped on the ice skates and went with it, you know, and the kids were like, Whoa, this kid, yeah, I couldn't really stop what they do. They're like, Holy shit, this kid definitely plays roller hockey. They're like, you play roller hockey. Don't you? Like, yep. And they were just like, Oh shit, you're good. You're pretty good. So I just kept doing it. You know, I didn't, I never played it cause I was good. I just played it cause I liked it. You know, I just, you know, and that's, and that's really what kind of kept me in inline hockey and didn't really, I didn't, I played obviously uh, club ice hockey and stuff like that, but I didn't chase ice hockey because I just really liked roller hockey and inline hockey. I didn't really think about playing in college or like playing for money. I just played it cause I liked it, you know? So. Dude, you're a celebrity at your school and you played college ice. Yeah, but I didn't, I wasn't like, <laughs> I yeah. that, was, I, that was not my calling by any chance. I know, I know. It was just, <laughs> it was cool though. I just played it cause it was more hockey. I was like, oh, I can play ice hockey here too. So. I was like, just pour it up. Was that Kennesaw State? Yeah. All right. Well, what was the guy's name? Rich. Rich. The the one who passed away a couple years ago. Oh, uh, Rob. Uh, uh, um, uh, Brian. Richard Brian. Yeah, Richard Brian. Rich, yeah. Richard yeah. Brian. Okay. Referee. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Oh, that was. Yeah. That was like five or six years ago. Maybe that was maybe more than that. Yeah, it was a while ago. I remember Casey Escargo was was buddies with him. That was that yeah. was that was really unfortunate. Yeah, he was a scorekeeper and referee at tournaments too. Well, what I the first times I remember coming across you two, George. I'll start with you because I think you were the first one. The first time I remember seeing George, it was two thousand and at uh i think it might have still been tico it might have been germain arena in florida my brother and uh cj bateman's brother friend of the pod um they were playing i think midget gold and you had a nike buffalo wing team and it was on the the green rink or the blue rink the middle one the middle rink at tico and i don't know exactly what had happened but boom, brawl starts. And the goalie on the dynamite, our, my brother's team, Zach Fleming, I just remember seeing him go after somebody. His blocker, okay, like goalies put this in, his blocker broke. He broke his blocker over some kid's head, hitting it on a helmet. This kid was crazy, Zach Fleming. Oh, and God. so I remember that all happening. And then I think the next year, we were in our red and white stallion stuff. You, George, had came out to uh, Monument. You came out to Sock and Roll, and you were doing stuff with Tours. Mm -hmm. It was before Tours Too Hot or anything like that. And I remember going up to you and being like, yo, you were the coach of the Buffalo Wings. And you're like, yeah. And I was like, my brother was on that team that got in that. And he's like, oh, shit (laughs) oh i remember that (laughs) he kind of caught you off guard but that was the first time that i'd come across you george so do you do you remember that brawl i remember that specifically because that happened all the time when i coached the buffalo wings teams i don't know why but (laughs) it was it was one of those things where they weren't my own team so it was it was an organization that brought me in and they just needed a coach so the discipline really wasn't there you know, but, and so we always, always had brawls and it was on the, like you said, I think that was the blue rink, whatever, the, like you said, the middle rink was, but man, we got into a bunch of them in that tournament. I think there, we had two of them. We got players suspended almost every game. It was, it was brutal. 
<laughs> but and those then, are the days. Yeah, yeah, the, the glory days. I was talking to Purcell earlier today. Um, did you guys hear that thunder? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was yeah. at my house. <laughs> um, and then Larry, the first time I think I played against you, I think we're looking at like 2008 in San Jose when you were playing with the Southern Stars and we were playing oh, with the yeah. Wow. And oh, it was, um, I think it was the, uh, you were the I dynamite, think, right? It was semi or, or the quarterfinals. I can't remember. You guys beat us like one to zero. You were like it was really, I remember that. I had those stupid yellow pads. Yeah. And I remember you guys scored a goal like right at the end of the first period. And like, you guys who has, who has a memory period. like this? I remember, no, I remember that goal. game. That's what I just said. I was just oh, like, yo. Listen, listen. That was the first, that was the first tournament that like first big tournament that I played in. And our team, so this is the thing too. It was, it was the same for most of the guys on my team as well. We were we were really good, and we were like, "Wow, we're like the best kids in Georgia and Florida." You know, we had some kids from Florida too, and we we're like, "Oh, we're the best ones." You know, we we're like, "Oh, we should probably play in the platinum division or whatever it was." And they're like, "Oh, I don't know about that." Like the kids over there are really good, so we played gold, and we we're like, and we and we end up winning it. But yeah, I remember playing you specifically in the semifinals. And I remember Phelps, Phelps was on your team too. I remember the jersey. I remember I have pictures from it. I have pictures on my Facebook. Yeah, I pull them up right now from that from that tournament. <laughs> I remember making like a really nice save, like a nice save with like 15 left in the period, and I'm like, all right, zero zero, we're all right. And after that, it's a face off in our zone. Somehow there's a breakdown, and you guys go up one nothing. And after that, like we just couldn't get anything. And again, like you, I don't remember who your goalie was, but you guys had a good goalie too, and so. Like it was super frustrating. We lost like a one or two nothing game in the semis when we're four. We're like, we're so close. Like we're there, but like we we just we ran into you guys. So that was my first memory of you, Larry. And then yeah. a couple of years later in Florida, I think you played with our Kodiak's team. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember all that very vividly. But yeah, those are those are my first memories of you guys, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, those are years ago. Those are those are ten and twelve and thirteen years ago memories, you know. So it's it's amazing where this sport kind of brings us to where we are at now. And we do have some medals together too, guys. So yeah, didn't you guys oh, win a a junior a junior platinum title? George, can can you can you walk us through that? Well, That's a I mean, cool story. Oh, walk us. Wait, before, wait, before, I don't want to, uh, actually, George, you go on to the story and I'm, I'm going to touch on, I have the very, a very, 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 very important part to add on to it. <laughs> well, I'm getting older now, so fill in where you let have me, Let me prelude it. I'll prelude it. We, okay. We're in Philadelphia. It's 2014. I had just, not, not a big deal. We just won a championship at Lindenwood over at, uh, the old Iceplex in uh, Aston, PA, or wherever we were at. Mm. And um, we had a stacked junior team. We had Perry, Tenza, and Hawkins. I say those three first because those were the three who left us after whatever day we left. So we had those three. We had Hackett, Larry, Okada, Phelps, and Kitsch. So we had a nasty junior squad. I don't know what happened after round robin for guys to leave, but I'll 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 
I'll leave it at that for you, George. Well, or Larry, whoever wants to take well, it. Up. Yeah, go ahead, Larry. They didn't. They did, Hawkins and uh, Perry. They didn't leave till before the championship game, I think. If I remember correctly, or was right. it before the semifinal? It was before the championship game, and it was because obviously you're playing black ice, and they're like, well. Their ride was like ready to leave. They're like, "Do you guys want to play this game?" They're like, dude, we're gonna lose them anyway. And that would that would have with Perry and Hawkins. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna lose the black guy. We're not playing the game. We're just gonna go home." And then this is the important part that I wanted to touch on. R.P. Kenny Tens. That's one of my good boys. I uh, love that guy to death. Um, it was, you know, I played junior hockey and everything in Philadelphia. So that's one of my good friends. Love that kid. And I just talked to his mom recently, and they're doing really well. But um, good. That's and, awesome. And that's great. great. Yeah, I miss him. Um, Super important part, George. You know I'm going to bring this up. Kenny and George got into the biggest fight ever, ever before the championship game. Ever. It was like so pro- it was so typical of Kenny and George, this fight. They were yelling across the rink, like off the, after a game, like just yelling, screaming, I never want to see you again. I, George, if I can remember the words that you said, oh my god, and the things that Kenny said, you guys, I thought you, you guys, I'm sorry you didn't get a fist fight. That was like it went out into the hallway. It went out into the hallway. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember. That was the closest I ever saw either of you get into a fist fight, and like I could have, I was like, oh my goodness, they were about <laughs> to kill each other. <laughs> and to put that into perspective, Kenny and I lived in the same city in Buffalo, and Kenny and I would hit each other up. Kenny would hit me. Kenny hit me up three weeks after that, and this is just the way Kenny was. He would hit me up three weeks after that, and he said, I love you, babe. And I'm like, <laughs> and it was just the relationship Kenny and I had because, and I wrote this after he passed, I was doing, I was away doing, uh, I think I was doing Elf when he passed. I think I was doing that show, and Hackett called me, and I remember writing the post, and I didn't realize how just alike Kenny and I were. And that's why we always got into it. Um, I only get into it and get on people that I expect more of because I know they can do more. If I'm not, excuse my language, but if I'm not in your ass all the time, that's because I'm expect nothing from you. Because I don't expect you to be able to do any more than you're already doing. If I expect you to do better, I'm standing on your ass. And I'm like that with my family. I'm like that with my choir. I'm like that with my hockey players. If I know that you can do better than you're doing and your potential is there, I'm all over you. That's how I was with that entire junior team. I didn't care how good you guys were. I, didn't, I never care. I mean, Junior can tell you this. When Junior Cadiz played D1 with me. I don't, Did you won Detroit? Right. I don't care who it is. If, <laughs> I don't care who it is. If I need to call you out, I'm calling you out. So that day, so that day, Kenny and I – Kenny had gotten into a fight in our semifinal game. And he expected me to talk to the tours guys to get him out of it. And he expected me, because I worked for tours, that I could hook him up. He said it's a championship. And so my response to him was, even asking me to do that is offensive because you should have known the situation we were in and knowing the position that I'm in, you shouldn't have got yourself into that trouble. I can't deal with any suspensions when it comes to my players because that's a conflict of interest. So we got into it because I couldn't do anything about it. His stance was ask. My stance was you shouldn't even put me in this position. And we had a huge clash. Huge clash. Just both two strong-minded individuals. So 
without even going to talk about the suspension, I said, just go home. Just go home. Now, that was me with my wheels turning. And then I'm like, oh, we already lost two players though. So now we're going to the championship game against black guys with five guys. We had played, you know what the crazy thing was? Did we have five guys when we played the semifinal against the Wings? I remember playing the Wings. I don't think we had, I think we had a team. I think, I'm pretty sure Hawkins and uh, Parrott were there. I'm pretty, I, sure. I am pretty, I'm pretty sure they were too. I'm pretty I, sure I, we had I'm going to check on that because I'm going to tell you one thing. I really think that the Wings thought they were going to kill us because we only had five guys. Six guys at that time. Because I think Perry and Hawkins left the morning of or the night before. Maybe. But Maybe. that's neither here nor there. That game finished 7-0. Yeah. So that was funny story. I, Nolan Sheeran is now on my team. But if you guys would ever – if you we played them in a regional at Dumars that same year. There was a huge Twitter battle where all they did was try to roast and talk about me. And because they didn't like me. And it's hard to like a person when you always lose to them. I get it. I'm used to that. <laughs> so they had this huge Twitter thing. And somebody had told me, and they were dogging me on Twitter. So I called one of them, and I just said a few choice words because I know where they lived. And so this was in, this was in my I'm, – I'm not proud of this, but just a funny story. So we played them in the semifinals. And I really wanted to beat them bad. And I remember the first goal of the game, Larry came down the left wing and ripped a shot high glove. And they all skated by the bench. And I guess this is hockey talk. And one of them says, man, that was a rip on their team. Said it. We took the lead one nothing. never looked back, 1-7-0. Now we've got five guys going to the championship. And the whole time, Jason Miro was asking me before the game, you got five guys. You're going to box it up. You're going to box it up. Jason later told me, he said, I didn't think you guys had a chance. I wasn't even scared. Me and my guys were laughing in the locker room, joking, talking, because we just knew we were going to dominate that game. We never, we didn't do a box. We just played our system. We played the whole tournament. And I think we won that game like five to one. No, I think it was, I think, I think it was five to three. Five three? Like, we scored I mean, I know, with I scored empty netter. I remember scoring okay. that letter, so. way more goals than I would have ever anticipated going into that game. Well, I thought we were going to get mercyed. I was like, oh, let's just not get mercyed. I mean, going and they had a full team. Let's just make it to the end of the game. <laughs> I think. Be, mindful, be mindful for the people listening. This wasn't when we were 93s, the top. We were, we were the younger guys in, in junior. So they had right. Billy and KJ, too. They were 92. And, yeah. and Gerger. Yeah, this team was stacked. This is like I team that wins pro division every year. We, we, we played that team with five guys. Was they're going to hate that we're talking about this. They're listening to it. They're going to be pissed because I always bring it up. 2014 this was? Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. that's all right, yeah. They went on that run right after then in March. You guys must. Here's the thing. Must have did here's something. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> I for some, and I know they're gonna hate me for saying this, but they everybody had this fear of black ice. I didn't give a damn who they was. <laughs> I mean, for me, be, just because of the fact that me and Jason are such good friends, I had had so much good luck against black ice. My Bantam Platinum team had beat KJ and Billy. At Narch, 
in the 16U championship. My 18 class. Huh? In Toronto? Yep, in Toronto. Okay. My 18U platinum team had beaten them in the semifinal, but then lost to FTB. We beat them in KJ and Billy's last 92 year, I think. That was when I had Novak and Krogman, and I think maybe even, I don't remember who else was on that team, but it might have even be like, been like a Novak, Krogman, Perry, and John Seamer. I was like, the team. John John was. Yeah, and so we had that team, and, and I beat them there. And KJ tells me to this point, because at the end of the game, Kern McNamara, who was my goalie, KJ had a chance, or somebody had a chance back door, and Kern just stuck his blocker out and made a hashtag type save with like one second left. And I jumped over the boards and started backpedaling, pumping my fists. And KJ always tells me, he's like, George, I love you, but that was the first time I just wanted to take my stick and just <laughs> kill you with it. Like, because I was so happy that we beat Black Ice because we weren't expected to. So, and, and then fast forward to that junior game, I just had some good luck against them. That luck hasn't lasted, but I, <laughs> well, this I, is I did all, have it. This is all, all in defense of uh, Black Ice. I mean, we're still talking about beating them seven, eight, five years ago, you know? That Absolutely. Just, that just goes to show the run that they're, they're on, so we can't really talk about beating them any time recent, so that just... But that's you know, the only thing I can talk about. Yeah, that's the only thing I can talk about to them is beating them when we were, you know, 20 years old. That's the only thing Absolutely. I can talk about right now. So. I just remember as that game went on, like, you could just hear Miro's, like, voice, like, rise in frustration. As, as the game kept going on and they were still down, it was just like, come on, KJ, pass the – but, like, oh. everything <laughs> kept escalating and escalating. And finally the game ended, and it was just five skaters, George, and a goalie that were like, we could have won a world championship. We, we were yeah. all so pumped. So we were that game. That was five guys. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, I still okay. have that picture somewhere. <laughs> oh, I got it on my – I got it too. I, I think it did, a lot of it had to do with Okada just being shut down, Kish being shut down, Hackett being shut down D. That really – that carried us. Sure. Phelps playing forward. Like. Yeah, yeah. That was that, – like that, that team we had right there, was I couldn't believe, you know. We got to lock the words like, dude, we picture. just beat them. I think, I think George was so happy – I was still at Lindenwood. I was like, yo, can I get that banner? George is like, take the trophy. I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody. We just beat Black Ice with five guys <laughs> juniors. I don't care what you take. I, I'm happy. Like, George, I, I, that was one of the happiest I've ever seen George. So, yeah, that was, that's a very, very fond memory of mine. That was, a, that was an awesome championship. And I do have to say this, like you said, Larry, like, those are – there's not a lot of teams I can say about – say this about in hockey today, but I don't know one guy on that team that doesn't play with class that does. They are all so like they're phenomenal players. They're classy players. Jason is an amazing guy an amazing coach. So like you said, talking about it is because of the weight that they hold in this sport. Exactly. You know, so beating them, to, we just spent like 20 minutes talking about beating black guys. That just goes to show you like <laughs> how good they the are. weight yeah. they hold in this sport. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I guess like, as you guys know, we can start getting kind of like into the heavier stuff, I guess, um, of everything that's been going on in our world, I guess, with George, in the wake of George Floyd and um, also the racial stuff that's been going on. I mean, for years. Um, you guys 
Larry, I have a very similar story to you. I just started playing roller or start playing street hockey up the street with some kids that when I was three years old and then I got into the hockey thing and that's how it was. And then my parents were like, well, you know, you're going to be the only black person at the rink. And at the time I was just like, whatever, I'm playing roller hockey. This is a sport I love. And then as I got older, you start to like, okay, well, there's, there's less and less people that look like me. And there's, there was no coaches that looked like me at like George. So it was always, it's always not, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say rough, but it was always like, who do I connect to other than to my team? Um, or who can I go talk to this about this in my community? Because nobody plays hockey. Like I'm one of a thousand that go and put on hockey skates. And so I wanted to, I haven't had any super like experiences of being had racism towards me or I've also, but I've also had like people I've had one time I was, I forgot what tournament I was at, but I had someone like, what are you here for? And I was like, well, oh, I'm playing hockey, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is what I'm doing. So I guess I'm just kind of ask, have you guys had anything happen or have you guys ever experienced racism in the sport of roller hockey? Cause I know for me personally, I've been taken in as it, like, it feels like a family, the roller hockey world feels like a family to me. And that's how it's always been. That's why I continue to play it. Um, but my experience is not the same as your guys's. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's different, but I'm asking you guys, has it been different or how have you guys felt as being one of the black people on a t- only black people on a team and only black people, only black person in the rink at times? Yeah. So I'll go ahead. Um, you know, fortunately I think, and even growing up in the South with roller hockey, at least I haven't really, you know, it was never, like I said, when I was, when I started playing, I never really even, I didn't really look around the rink like, oh, there's no other black kids out here. That just like growing up, that's not like what was ingrained in my head of like, you know, trying to search for, you know, some sort of confidence or some sort of comfort around me. You know, I was just like, I'm playing hockey and I was always just, you know, I always wanted to be the best. And I was just like so concentrated on that. I wasn't even concerned about that. And it never even crossed my mind until, you know, one time when you're uh, maybe 14 and 14 years old at this point or 15 years old, when something happened, when I was on the ice, an ice hockey game and someone said something, I was like, whoa, you know, words you never even, you really never even heard except like in music or like outside somewhere, you know, you're like, whoa, what would that kid just say? And you're just like, and you kind of brushed off. You're like, that's just weird. I don't even know why he said that. Or, you know, is he just mad at me? And that's honestly all the incidents I've had on the ice. I never really had any roller on the ice was just, more or less because people were mad because I was better than them. And that's pretty much what I took it for. I was like, wow, you're just mad because I'm better than you. Good. You should be, you know, that's uh, good. Keep being mad. So I'm not getting any worse. I can tell you that for sure. You know? So like, that's pretty much every instance that I had was like, so I I wasn't because I was like spear, I was physical or like doing anything cheap or anything like that. If that was the case, I'd probably be more understanding of why someone would do that and be like, Oh, you know, maybe I'd be more hurt by it. But like, that wasn't the case. We're just really just mad at you because you, stand out and you're doing something that you love and they don't want you to keep, you know, being successful at what you love. That's why people come after you like that. That's why. And that's, that'd be my word to anybody, any young African-American hockey player who is scared to keep playing the game because they're, you know, encountering these kind of things going on when they're playing the sport they love is, you know, just focus on you and don't let people try and hold you back because they don't want you to be successful. Don't, those, those are the people who aren't going to be successful themselves. Just keep focusing on your grind and keep doing what you love. You know? Yeah, and George, for you, I know it's a little different because I know you said you stopped playing hockey because of some things you had happened in high school. But then you end up being a coach and being behind the bench and being the leader of a team. And you were coaching parents' kids and stuff. So I don't know if your experience is any different than that also. It, it's honestly, I've been extremely blessed and lucky that I have not experienced any like devout racism in uh, my coaching career, or even in my playing career. 
Um, now, that does not mean I have not come across some racists because it doesn't mean they're just closeted and just hide it when I'm there. But I have not experienced that as of yet. Um, and I say as of yet, I hope I never have to experience that. I mean, as a ref, you get some of the side comments when I used to ref here in Buffalo, like, what do you even know about hockey? Like, and that's not, I didn't even see that as a racist thing. I saw it more of an ignorant thing, you know, um, which turns into a racist comment that they're ignorant of the fact that they even know that it's a racist comment. Um, so I haven't had anything like that. Um, it's been interesting because I've had conversations with former players in the wake of all of this happening now, former players and cause I went live and had an hour live, uh, like a month ago. And I a lot of people, that, by the way, I watched that. Thank too. you. That was cool. Yeah, thank you. A lot of people had just had conversations with me about stuff that they didn't realize or know. And when you're living your everyday life, there's just some stuff you don't realize. Um, when the struggle is not yours, you don't realize what people go through. So, um, I have not experienced it, but I know last year, my nephew plays hockey here in Cheektowagon. It was a big news story. Um, he was playing and it was a, a game against Cheektowagon. And he's in Amherst, uh, two suburbs of Buffalo. And a bunch of players on the team started making monkey noises um, toward him. And um, thank God I was not at the game. I think God knew what he was doing, not having me there. Um, my brother and I were not at the game. It's my brother's son. So I just thank God that we weren't there. But um, that's, that became a news story because those players were since suspended and their next playoff game, which they were supposed to play again, the last game of the regular season and a playoff game, they were supposed to play again. And they canceled that game because of what – could have happened. Um, but that was the closest experience I've ever had personally because I was fuming just because of the fact that I've never gone through that personally. And for my nephew to have to go through that, it doesn't give me much hope. Like the breed of youngsters coming up now, I would think would be getting better. But it was, and I don't mean to make this too deep, but I'm doing another video soon. It, it's interesting with all this stuff going on. So many people have so much hope. I am not one of them. I am not one of them. It's unfortunate. We are only 70 years removed from the civil rights era and the Jim Crow era, which means that many grandparents who are alive today were part of the discrimination, the segregation, and the racism, the devout racism, racism that we fought to get out of back then. Some people who are grandparents now are still alive. They have children and grandchildren who they've taught that same racism to. So I do not have the same hope that in our lifetime, it will get any better. I wish it would, but I don't have the same hope. Um, just because of the fact that I think in generations it will get better through education. I think kids nowadays are making their own minds up at times. But I know in my generation, I had somebody I went to school with who told me, yo, my grandmother's so racist. Like, told me that. But he was not. So I just hope that as time goes on, generations get better. But 
I just want people to realize that why we fight so hard is because the grandparents that I have fought so hard in civil rights and the grandparents that are still alive today could have been, and I'm not saying this about everybody because there's some great people out there, but could have been clan members, could have been part of the ones segregating and discriminating. So we are not too far removed from that. So in my lifetime, do I think it'll get any better? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, at this point, how long does progress take? So. Yeah, tis, tis, you, you're going to say, yeah. I was going to say, well, first I wanted to ask, how old is your nephew when that happened? My nephew is a freshman in college. He's 18 now, so he was 17 when it happened. It's brutal. Yeah. Sorry, 16. 16 was just about to turn 17. So I just wanted to say that, I mean, it's awesome that you guys are expressing your stories and if you've had it or not. I think it's a lot of, it's cool for a lot of people to learn that haven't, like Rob and Kevin, I don't know if you guys have, you guys obviously haven't experienced it, but you guys have been around black players and you guys have, there's so many people that look like you guys in the rink. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever thought like, oh, there's not a lot of black people in here. Why is that? Or or what, it must be different for you, Larry. It must be different for you, George. What's different for you, Jordan? You guys ever think about that when you guys are playing or on the rink? Or is it just like? I mean, I've, I've never really thought about it that way. We've known each other forever. Yeah, so yeah. I've honestly thought of you as like a goalie. It's always just been kind of like that. And fortunately, where we grew up in Colorado, we actually had a quite yeah. a bit of black players playing on our team with the, um, the King brothers. Um, what's that one guy? Elijah. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Studdeth. Reggie, Reggie Studdeth. As a kid, we grew up playing street hockey with Reggie. He was boys with Frank and George. Like, yeah. So like, I knew Reggie from being a kid and seeing him at Palladium. I mean, like, it wasn't anything new. And like you just said, Rob, it's not like I looked at it, like, differently. But – I did I'm not have- gonna lie. Whenever, whenever you know, there there is a black person around the rink playing and stuff like that. Like as a white, you're kind of like, oh, like for me, person, I'm like, hell yeah, like dude, that's in my, I think like that's what I mean. There's a distinction, obviously, and so in my head, I'm like, fuck yeah, like dude, I wish there were, I wish there were, a, you know, a couple more black people at the ring playing and spectating and seeing, you know, and, and I think it even speaks to Jordan, Larry, George, you guys kind of just said it within roller hockey. As far as that goes, there, there haven't been a whole lot of like, yo, I'm, I'm fuming that this just happened. This parent said this, or this player said this. And I think that almost speaks to how welcoming roller hockey in particular. I know ice hockey's going through a lot of stuff right now. I think that I think it speaks to how great roller hockey is. I mean, Daniel Inouye's got a, a best friend, Jacob Hickey from from NorCal, you know, and and he's, he's got in complexion. Yeah. So I mean, it's like I said, it's not anything, Rob, like you said, where it's kind of like I don't I don't distinguish when they're are not a lot of black people, but whenever I do see either black people playing or around the rink, it is to me, it's kind of like, that's great. It's, it's another demographic. And if, if there's a couple people who like it, why can't there be more? Why can't there be more kids who get into it? I think Rob, you posted, you reposted a story today of somebody uh, talking about, you know, other than basketball and football in Compton. And I think what you're seeing in, uh, 
between well, the differences we're seeing between roller and ice hockey, I think a lot of that has to do with economic status. And you're seeing a lot of these more entitled kids by playing ice hockey that are probably entitled to more things and been treated, you know, with, with leather gloves their entire life and white gloves and that they feel entitled to whatever it is. So when they might, and I'm not saying this is always the case, but when they see someone of color, they're like, oh, this kid is not equal to me. This kid can't be around me. This kid isn't. This kid can't be on the same rink as me. So they, that's why the situation you get, as opposed to in, inline hockey or roller hockey, everybody, you know, you don't, obviously there's people who have money, people who don't, but when it comes to roller hockey, it's not a sport that's so out of the realm of, you know, you, it's something that you grew up on the streets doing, you know, it's not something that not anybody could do. Like ice hockey almost is, you know, like ice time is so expensive. It's not just something that someone can just pick up. Roller hockey, anybody can be on the roller hockey rink. So that's pretty much the situation I got. And then just to touch on something earlier too, but growing up, like I said, I, w- I was just, like, focused on being the best hockey player I could be. I didn't want to be, like, oh, that black kid. I was like, dude, I just want to be a hockey player, and I just want to be the best one, you know, not, like, oh, the black kid. But, you know, and then growing up, my kind of outlook on that changed. I was, you know, but when I started getting these comments and thinking people were saying, oh, you're black and you play hockey, well, I'm like, yeah, I am black, and, yeah, I do play hockey, and, yeah, I'm fucking good. Like, you know, that, I started more embracing it more. At first, I wasn't, I wasn't shy about it or anything. I was just like, why are you talking about that? Like, why are we just playing hockey and, like, you know, compete somebody better than you and beat you? And then, like, as I got older, I started embracing more. Like, yeah, I am black. Yeah, I do play hockey. Hey, look at me. I play hockey. I am black. Yeah, so you can do it too, you know? So I started definitely embracing a lot more as I got older and just, like, you know, hoping that I could probably pay that forward to these young Because there are some young black kids in Atlanta playing hockey that I've reached out to and I've talked to that I've seen come up that are really good hockey players. And hopefully I've awesome. you know, been, been a good example for them to keep playing, you know, keep taking, take hockey where they can take it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, it's so interesting because I had this conversation with somebody the other day on why more black kids aren't into ice hockey. And that's a whole conversation for another day when, when Larry speaks about financially and what, and us being Those behind or whatever. Bad. So that's a whole different conversation, but I do want to say this. With the uh, atmosphere of, of today, I don't want anybody to think that at the rink, you can't come up and talk to me about things that are happening. Happening, Because um, I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you think so I know if I ever need to talk to you again. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but seriously, like, it's, I'm dead serious. Like, I've, there's been so many people saying something that I just want to know exactly what their heart is, what is in their mind. I've gotten, there's so many people that I just don't talk to anymore because I don't need you to be on, like, tell me I'm right with everything I say, but at least try to listen and understand as I would to you. Like, and I think that's the biggest thing, just to have people to listen and understand. And if somebody's at a hockey tournament, they want to come and talk about what's happening in the world today, I'm happy to tell you from a black man's standpoint why we are fighting so hard. I'm happy to have a conversation with you about how I feel about the conversations that I now have to have with my nephews. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that. And the one thing I would say is there's a lot of people who say, I don't see color. That's a big ass lie. I don't want to, I hate that saying. Because the fact of the matter is that's a lie because of the fact that you definitely see my color. The fact that you choose to ignore it can possibly be, be racist, in its, racist in itself. I want you to see my color, and I want you to still accept me with my color. Don't tell me you don't see color, because that's unless you're colorblind, it's a lie. So I, I understand what people try to say when they say that, 
but don't say it. Like, see the color, see the color, and still look in deeper at somebody's character and not have to worry about their color. But I want you to see my color. I'm happy to be a black man. I'm a damn good looking, sexy ass black man. <laughs> but I want people to understand that, that the most important part about that is the black part. I'm a black man, I'm a proud black man, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think with the success that I've had in my life, I can, and that's why I used to teach at a theater school here that had a bunch of black kids. And I just want them to see that there is success inside of anything that they can do. So, I mean, it's, for me to have a position like I do in hockey has been great. Um, but I want, I don't mind having those conversations with people because a lot of people see me as uh, the black guy with tours. And I don't even mind that. I don't even mind that. But if you want to have a conversation with me and get, and get to know a little bit more about what I go through on a daily basis or what the, how it is for me being a black man in America today, I'm happy to have those conversations. I just don't want people to be nervous if they want to talk about something and get an understanding if they're at the rink. And they're like, ah, no, I'm nervous about it, you know? Speaking to George on that note, I will, I will vouch. Uh, I think it was <laughs> might have been that first or second year we, we went up to Dumars for tours Winter Nationals. We got into a discussion with George about, uh, and you know I I'm not the most religious person, but I know my man George. He praises the Lord every day. We had a very spirited discussion about if God is real or not, and you know let comments let people say whatever they want. But you know what? George listened to what we said. We probably had a couple in us, and I don't think he did, so he was spitting more truth than any of us. <laughs> but he saw through that conversation with five of us clowns who just got done playing for, for about 45 minutes to an hour at the Joe Dumars bar. I the restaurant, it, yeah. It was a great conversation. And I feel like everybody leaving the conversation felt a little more enlightened, felt a little more comfortable. And I feel like that was another like bonding bridge between George and I. Second of all of that is just as you had said, George, where you're at with tours and within the sport. I mean, like you broadcast for state wars, you broadcast for tours, you're a tournament director at tours, you coach team at state wars, tours, Narge. I think it is a very, very good thing for younger, you know, black people who are getting into the sport to see, hey, this guy's, this guy's within, within the realms, within the ranks. Like, people know George, you know? People know downtown George Brown, and he's going to be known at the tournaments because he's there and he's working and he's doing what he's doing. And, and I think that's a great thing for, you know, young black people in the tournament and, and new black families coming into the sport to see Absolutely. this is a very welcoming sport, you know, like this is a, this is nothing where, you know, and again, I, I could be getting off the deep end here, but I mean, like, you know, you see, you see you doing what you're doing at a tournament and it's like, we shouldn't feel uncomfortable here, you know, like right. this is, this is a, an environment that, it doesn't matter. Like you're saying, they embrace everybody's skin color. It's not yeah. a, I don't see skin color. It's, I see it and I embrace it and I appreciate you for being you. 
I, I love that you said that. I love that you said that, George. Yeah. Uh, basically, back to this whole thing, though, I want to make this conversation not so it's uncomfortable. Because um, the more uncomfortable it is, the more or less people talk about it. And so um, that's why I enjoy and I'm thankful you guys are happy to come on and speak some words and talk about this and talk about your roller hockey stuff because it means a lot, not just to me, but to everyone. It, I hope it means a lot to everyone in the sport to say, like, this is not just a white sport. It's just a sport that a lot of white people play. So um, I'm happy that we're able, that we all played it and that there's probably some kids out there that have seen us play and I've wanted to try it and stuff like that. So I think the sport's moving in the right direction. I think you guys are doing a great job with how you guys are carrying yourselves and um, yeah, carrying yourselves. You guys know what you guys are doing, right? I think one thing I want to touch on too, before we close it out with this, uh, I think a big part of it too, is that I've had a lot of friends reach out to me as well. You know, uh, white friends from hockey, because I understand that I'm one of the few black people that play. So they always, the people that I really appreciate a lot of them reaching out. I think the point of what bottom of made was that it's just something that they never really, they didn't really see me as a black hockey player. So they didn't really think to have this conversation with me, which is fine. I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at any of them for that. They're like, Oh, I just didn't think to have this kind of conversation and talk about it. Cause I just saw you as one of my teammates. They didn't really see you as a black hockey player, you know? So I didn't want to kind of bring that kind of thing up, even though sometimes they joke around about it, whatever, you know, no one's bad about that. But I think a big point to be made is just, for most people to understand that these things that we're talking about now, the oppression, the economic situations, the, the, the unintentional segregation and the schooling and the, and the economy and things like that. It's not, it's not, we're not saying that it's not, we want people to understand that this is happening. A lot of people are just ignorant to the fact that it's happening. That's what we're trying to make people aware of. These things are real. These things are happening. And that's what the takeaway is, what we want people to learn. What we want people to understand you know, particularly white people, we want them to understand that these things are real because a lot of people are still neglecting the fact these things are happening. And that's where things go wrong. If you're, if you're one of those people who's like, oh, these things aren't real, these things are happening, just ignore it. Whether or not you're racist or whether or not you consider yourself racist or not, you're racist in the fact that you're ignorant to the fact that these things are happening. So Absolutely. That's, a, that's a main takeaway for people to understand, educate, learn, listen. When people are saying that, they mean become aware of things that are actually happening. Do the research yourself. Look at the, look at the objective stuff. Stop listening to so many people's opinions. Look at the numbers, look at the facts, and you'll find out that these things are actually happening. And that's, that's where you find out your real truth about things. Yeah, and to Jordan's point too, and, and I get what you're saying about the uncomfortable conversations, Jordan, but it's time for people to have those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Uh, people have been comfortable, comfortable for too long. It's, it's about time to have those... I have had, my friends have so much more of an understanding now um, that, it, but it shouldn't have taken something like this. But listen, as, as long as they have an understanding, I mean, it, racism is taught. You are not born a racist. You have to learn it. It is not innate. You have to be taught how to be a racist. And so it's just sad. And so... Sorry. It's just sad. So just having these uncomfortable conversations is where we succeed, you know? Yeah. And I'm happy to see that. Our, like you touched on earlier, our gen- I feel like the younger generation is kind of changing. You might have grown up in a little bit of a different situation, George. But younger generation, these, young, these, these teenagers are starting to make decisions for themselves. You know, they're starting to 
they're starting, they're not looking at their grandparents and their parents' decisions right. and taking right. their opinions for everything. They're starting to make these decisions themselves, which their parents probably are not happy with, but a lot of them are starting to make better decisions on their own. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, there's plenty of times where like, I've, I've been, go- I've gone on dates with white girls, something like that, and had to go home. They're like, Oh, you probably don't want to meet my parents or something like that. You probably have grandparents there too. You do not want to meet them. You know what I mean? And right, just, right. Just, you're like, yeah, I understand. Why? Why are you going on a date with me then? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, well, no, no, she, no, like, no, I'm not, I'm giving, I'm speaking to the point that like, she, she likes me. And like, I mean, and I'm not trying to go too deep in this conversation, but like, you know, you have a good relationship with someone else and they're afraid of you and introducing you to someone in their family because they know the reactions they're going to get, you know, even though yeah. like a situation that's, that, and that's, those are the kind of conversations that like, those are real conversations. Those are uncomfortable shit for me to yeah. have. With my you know what I mean, like, Hey, look, you don't want me to meet your parents because they know I'm black and they're going to be upset and yada, yada, yada. That's an uncomfortable fucking conversation. Excuse my language. But like between her and her parents and me, that is an uncomfortable conversation. And people are afraid to have this kind of conversation. I'm telling you right now, for sure. I've, I've been in that conversation dozens of times. Trust me. So <laughs> I can tell you it's an uncomfortable conversation for them. Even though it's not uncomfortable for me, it's uncomfortable for them. And they're terrified. That's the problem. It's that they're uncomfortable, you know, yeah. with having that conversation. And you're yeah. totally fine. You're not looking at them any different, you no, know. Yeah. It's that's man. Yeah, it's crazy. And I know, and it's probably not the situation that a lot of you kids grew up in. You guys could probably bring an African American girl home, and probably the parents wouldn't even think twice about it. But uh, there was a lot of people out there who that 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 is not tolerated in the house, you know. So, and and it's just it's just bringing awareness to that, and so people understand that that's just like. That that is real. That that is America. That is the real America. Don't think that those things don't happen because I could show you it happens. Absolutely. It happens. Well, Ro- Rob and Jordan, did you guys watch that like little video I sent you yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I mean, do you guys want to chat about that a little bit? I I, mean, I found that incredibly interesting. I, I thought it. I thought the description and what how he they laid it out made more perfect sense than I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so so George and, and Larry, this video I found that uh, the GOAT, Ed Reed, ball hawk, best safety ever for the Baltimore Ravens, he posted, I follow him on Instagram, he posted a video of, of two, two black gentlemen like sitting up on a stage, kind of like answering questions from black and white people, like very, very smart, you know, black guys, like very prominently smart black guys, and basically – the question got brought up to them is like, I'm a white person. And in this song, they're dropping the N word a bunch of times. And, you know, like I obviously see like my black friends saying it, but like, I can't say it. So like, and basically that was this guy's platform and to, to get it all together. He basically said, you know, a lot of black people walk through life seeing what it's like to be involved and be in a belonging and a welcoming area and community seeing white people. And so like the N word is something that black people have as kind of like, that's ours. Like, you know, you don't really, you, to refrain from saying that basically you learn a lot. And so that is something that, on the outside white people see and they're like, well, you know, maybe I do want to say that. And it's like, but you guys got a lot of other stuff that you get 
that is one thing that is ours. I, I found that that it was 1130 or midnight the other night when I was watching that. And that, just like Rob said, that made more sense to me than any other explanation on, on that topic that I've ever heard in my life. This is a, this is a great, this is a very interesting conversation. This is a good, good topic too. Um, I, I personally, and in, in music, when you hear it, obviously it's in songs, you say yada, yada, yada. I don't personally address other people by, by, with that word. Personally, I don't. Even though I could, I, I, I mean, I have no problem doing it. And I don't feel offended by anybody else or an African American just be by it. But I, you know, I don't. I just don't address people by that name, you know, or that, by that word. I just, well, I don't know why I would do that. I'm, it's not a word that I just use regularly in my vocabulary. Even though I can, you know, I just, it's just not something I use regularly in my vocabulary. Whether or not that's okay or not, or if I should or not, you know, it's just something that I just don't use that often, you know. And it's, and especially being around a lot of white people, I feel like if I use it a lot, it could either one, make them uncomfortable, which is fine too, but I just don't know why I'd put them in a situation <laughs> like none of that. Or two, you know, I just don't want, or make them feel that it's okay to say it too. You know, I feel like also if I'm around white people, yeah, I say it other people, like, oh yeah, maybe I could say it too. You know, it's just like not even something, even though you should be open to talk about everything, it's just something that you just don't even, why would I ever, you know, why would I put other people in a situation that like, even if I say the N word and you laugh at it, like, oh, why are you laughing at me saying that? You know, it's just like a situation that doesn't even necessarily brought about with other not even it's an unnecessary situation right that's just exactly Jordan. i feel like you but you don't use that much either and i know that but like it's just one of the situations it's like you just something i just don't say that often and i don't and i understand the music i understand the use of music it's part of the culture it's why people use it and it's great it makes music good i mean it's part of music and it's it makes some songs more deep and more passionate when you have a better connection with the people who are listening to it. But yeah, I listen to gospel music, so I've never heard it. <laughs> yeah, in every, in every day, in normal conversation, you never hear me say that. I've never, never hear me say that. And I, I, mean, I understand that people use it, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with people who use it. So I, I just personally don't use it in my everyday vocabulary, personally. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't use it in my everyday vocabulary, especially just because my surroundings usually when I'm either with you guys at a tournament or if I'm on tour, it's just not appropriate for. Exactly. Yeah. And I work, in professional, I work in professional sports too. So like, you'll never, no yeah. saying that. It's like people, people will right. look at you like, they wouldn't be mad at you. to be like, why'd you just say that? They say, What's wrong with adult? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just not necessary to do this. Well, um, well, boys, it's been fun. I appreciate it. I want to say thank you guys. I don't, do you guys have anything else to talk about, Kevin, Rob? Anything I'm good right now. No, I'll see. Are you guys going, Kevin, Larry are going to uh, tours or where are you guys? Anything gonna, this year? Yeah, we're going to be at Palma and probably Narch. Um, we had Palma Pro and Narch, but um, tours was just kind of like last minute. I didn't know if it was going to be, and I just planned stuff um, this week, gotcha. 4th of July. But I'll I will see you guys at some point this summer. Yeah, are you gonna be at uh, State Wars? Yeah, cool. Larry, who are you, who are you coaching at State Wars? Rink rat, <laughs> NBA's rink rat team. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we had alluded to it in a previous podcast of who their coach was, so I just was trying to make it a little more like announcement. Like, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we are considered news. We, there is a N in our in our abbreviation that stands for news, so. That was news. <laughs> Rob yeah, told me I'll, I'll be holding the press conference. I'll be holding the press conference yeah. tomorrow. This is going to be an Instagram story. Breaking news. George Brown coaching envious rink rat. <laughs> Let us know. We'll go live. Yeah. Perfect. Um, 
great. Larry, are you are you planning any more tournaments this summer or just tours? Uh, that is all dependent on what goes on over the next oh, I guess, you get days on baseball. You know, obviously I wasn't even supposed to play. I wasn't, I'm not supposed to play any summer until ever, I guess, since baseball happens. This summer, baseball <laughs> the summer is the only time I'm actually busy, so I wouldn't actually be able to play any roller tournaments. But fortunately, unfortunately, a pandemic happened and canceled baseball season. So I was freed up to play at least uh, tours and possibly more depending on what our jobs or what our what our uh, what our job uh, requirements look like over the rest of the summer. So we'll see we'll see where they need us and where we'll be at. But if I'm free to play, I'll definitely be playing. Nice. I'll be giving both of you a wink because we got Dwyer and Atagoki both on our, our schedule. So I'll be giving you both a wink out there, guys. All right, here we go. Hey, man. Before Jordan wraps it up, I can't thank you two enough. Larry, like I said before, like it's really good to see you. I'm pumped to see you at a tournament finally for the last couple of years. George, I always love seeing you. We're, you know, like we talked about, we go back a little bit and man, just thank you fellas for kind of enlightening everybody and giving us a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation to make us feel a little more comfortable having those conversations. <laughs> so, I can't thank you two enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the platform to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a thing that sh- should happen and needs to be happening. It's a conversation that should be open. It shouldn't be um, nervous to talk about. I think it should definitely be open. And I think these two basically hit it on the head. Thank you guys a lot. Love seeing you both. Saw you last year at Narch, George. It was awesome. Larry, it's always a treat when we see each other, man. You're awesome. So just want to say thank you guys again. Thank you guys for joining the podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. century doing something mean to it do it better than anybody you ever seen do it screams from the haters got a nice ring to it i guess every superhero need his theme music no one man should have all that power the clock's ticking i just count the hours stop tripping i'm tripping off the power the system broken the school's closed the prison's open we ain't got nothing to lose Some light-skinned girls and some Kelly Rollins.
taking my inner child I'm fighting for custody with these responsibilities that they entrusted me as I look down at my dying man and crush the peace thinking no one man should have all that power the clock's ticking I just count the hours stop tripping I'm tripping off the powder Translation with a whole fucking nation They say I was the abomination of Obama's nation Well that's a pretty bad way to start the conversation At the end of the day, god damn it, I'm killing this shit I know damn well y'all feeling this shit I don't need your pussy, bitch, I'm on my own dick I ain't got a power trip, who you going home with? How you doing? I'm surviving, I was drinking earlier Now I'm driving, where the bad bitches Let the power go.